at the time of this recording, we are in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic quarantine. I scheduled this interview with Tanya months ago, and when we met to record this episode, I couldn't help but think of how perfect the timing was going to be. God works in mysterious ways, but this is almost uncanny because as of today, when we recorded this, many people have lost their jobs because of the pandemic. And Tanya is an expert when it comes to human resources and interviewing. So this episode is going to help so many people, and I am so, so excited to publish it and have it here at your fingertips to help you if, if you are one of those people who were so unfortunate as to lose a job, or if you know someone who lost their job, or maybe, maybe you're a hiring manager. Um, this will give you insight as well. But most importantly, I hope that when this episode airs, that you are all well, that you are happy, that you have been able to resume some normalcy in terms of life activities. And I hope that you'll really enjoy this episode because I am absolutely thrilled to introduce you to Tanya. Tanya Longino is the president and founder of HR Partners, an interview strategy firm. In this role, Tanya helps clients develop competitive interview strategies. Tanya has had a rewarding career in human resources for more than 25 years. Her HR career spans over several industries and specialties, including finance, IT, banking, specialty materials, pharmaceuticals, retail, and healthcare. She has enjoyed a great working relationship as a global business partner with companies such as Bank One, Roman Haas, GlaxoSmithKline, Toyota Financial, and others. She has managed, coached, trained, and interviewed hundreds of professionals from entry level through executive levels. While Tanya credits her corporate work with giving her tools necessary for success, she readily recognizes her work with nonprofit organizations like the WYCA, Jack and Jill of America, the Lynx Incorporated, and the Urban League. Every engagement has offered practical experience. As the Human Resources Director and the Director of Employee Relations, she has developed and trained on a variety of topics, diversity and inclusion, which we will dive into today, leadership styles, conflict resolution, organizational effectiveness, and workforce training and development. Tanya is passionate about serving the community. She is the immediate past president of the Bucks County chapter of the Lynx Incorporated, an international professional women's service organization of African-American women who, connected in friendship, have been serving Bucks County for 52 years. She currently serves as a board member of the Office of Institutional Advancement for Germantown Academy. In 2012, Tanya received the YWCA Women Who Makes a Difference Award. She was awarded the 2018 Peacemaker Award by the Peace Center of Bucks County, PA. Member of the Board of Directors of Bucks County, YWCA 2020. Tanya studied and earned her BS degree in Business Management and Policy Administration from Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. She's another Midwesterner. Tanya began her HR career as a recruiter while living in Dallas, Texas, and received her certification from Richland College in Dallas. She advanced her HR career while living in Sacramento, California. 
today, Tanya resides in Bucks County, PA with her husband and three children. I am so excited, you guys, as I said, to bring Tanya to you. She is just a wonderful human. She is so passionate about serving others and just a ray of sunshine to the world. And I think you're really going to learn so much from this episode. So without further ado, we're going to dive into today's episode. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. I'm Robin Graham, your host and a brand marketing strategist and photographer passionate about helping women connect and grow their audience and get more clients. I am so excited you are here with me today to chat all about branding, personal development, and life overall in the second phase. What is the second phase? The second phase for me was a change in careers and learning how to navigate a new world and build the business from the ground up when I was actually terrified to put myself out into the world as something new. For some, the second phase is a significant lifestyle change, a traumatic loss, a move, an illness, it could be any number of things. No matter the definition of your second phase, we are here together to learn about creating a brand that stands out and makes an impact and grow as our authentic selves and follow our callings, our passions, our visions, and our values. Now grab your cup of coffee or the dog's leash and let's dive into a new episode. Tanya Longino, welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. Thank you. I'm delighted to be with you. And thank you for the invitation. Well, thank you for coming on. I am super excited to share you with my listeners. I love your background, your expertise, as well as your passions. So we're going to dive into all of those things today. And if you would, please tell us a little bit about your first phase. Actually, you know what? Let's not talk first about the first phase. Tell us a little bit about you as a person. Sure, I'd love to. So I'll start with telling you a little bit about um, myself and then that might get us to the first phase. So just a little bit about me. Um, I am from Indiana, which I think I've shared with you before. Um, and Upon graduation from high school, um, I went to Indiana University. I'm a Hoosier. I'm a Big Ten Hoosier girl. And um, so I spent my years at Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. And when I graduated uh, with a business degree, did not know, unlike many of the young people today, I had no clue what I was going to do. But I did know that um, a corporate life or career is what I wanted. At least I thought that's what I wanted. And uh, I immediately um, was able to obtain a career or start a career in banking. Um, did not know banking was going to be where I would start out, but I started out in a manager training program in um, Indianapolis, Indiana. And um, I lived there for a number of years. And as a manager trainee in banking back in those days, um, banking was very different than how you see it today. It was very um, transactional, um, not very warm and friendly. It was, um, here's my check, cash it and I leave, or here's my check deposited and I leave. Um, banking was beginning to turn into more of a sales type um, 
space and sales is something that I was very comfortable with. Um, even though I did not have a whole lot of working experience, I was very good with engaging and talking with people and conversation and getting to what is it that you like and what can I help you with? Oh, I can help you with this. So I was really good at asking questions. Um, and I think that's where my success came from in terms of the retail sales kind of banking um, that I ended up in. So much so, Robin, that um, I understood very early on um, with managing banking centers that it really took a special type of skill to do that job. Um, you know this now. Um, if you're not interested in engaging and talking with people, you're likely not going to be a really good salesperson. Um, and that transcends, I believe, all industries and all types of careers. So I figured that out really early and began to hire. This was way back in the day when um, banking center managers and bank presidents at the time, and I have presidents in quotes, because you know everyone in banking at that time was a president, a banking president. Um, and um, you were responsible for hiring your own people, your own staff. So um, I looked for people who could sell, who were engaging, and um, who really wanted to be in front of a customer and do a lot of fact-finding and not be afraid of talking about products and services. So that is a very different skill set. That landed me um, or gained me a really positive reputation for um, a banking center manager who got really great results. Um, and it wasn't anything that I was doing in particular other than hiring the right people. I understood that, um, mm -hmm. you know, 30 years ago in my career. And um, I ended up marrying the, my high school sweetheart. <clears throat> and he swooped me away. Um, and we moved to Texas, to Dallas. I still kept a career in um, the banking industry, but I took those same skills and the things that I learned with me to Texas and um, started to do the very same thing I did in Indianapolis, and that was to blow my sales numbers out of the water. Um, and that got a lot of attention from, um, for oddly enough, our human resources department they were really interested in how I was able to um, come into what was a new area for me. You know, I was a new employee at the bank at the time. And how is it that I was able to come in and do something um, that seemed to be really making some headway? And um, not only was I improving sales results, but retention in my branches, in my banking center um, was, was excellent. And that was something else because in those days, um, and likely maybe now, I'm not quite sure, but um, turnover in um, banking centers was usually kind of high. But my employees, um, they were driven by incentives. So remember, I'm, I know how to hire people, so I'm hiring people who want to or are encouraged to do a good job because of what's on the back end of that for them. Mm -hmm. And that was a very different model 
than um, what any of my peers were using. So um, HR came knocking at the door and asked me if I were interested in coming inside. And I was not at the time because remember I said I had this business degree and my goals were to, um, you know, progress and become a regional director. And, you know, I had all these other aspirations that had nothing to do with human resources. I didn't want to sit behind a desk. And <laughs> um, at the time, our VP of human resources, um, she said, okay, let's keep talking. So what they had me do was to come into HR intermittently and do at that time what was called panel interviews. Um, I began to help support the banking centers in some of their hiring. I began hiring for branches, some of my colleagues, to help them with hiring um, the right kind of skill set or the right type of employee that would be the best fit for these jobs. So um, I began modeling the same behavior that I was using for my own branches and using it in our region, if you will. Mm -hmm. And um, a year later, HR came again and said, hey, we have an opportunity and we'd really like to bring you into HR. And I thought, you know, at the time, um, I'm a believer in, you know, going to the right sources for guidance and mentorship. And at that time, it was my mother. And I <laughs> about, um, hey, you know, this is an opportunity. They keep, you know, talking to me. And my mother said to me, and I, I listened to it today. She said, Tanya, when people want you or they see something in you, you need to take advantage of it or at least explore it. And I said, okay, you got a good point. So there, you know, was the beginning of a career in human resources. And I um, went back to school and got myself some certifications in HR, um, did some, you know, some, some of the, the practical learning of human resources, and then started to put it to use. And Robin, that began, um, uh, what started off as maybe just generalist work, um, I quickly discovered that um, benefits and payroll was not for me. Um, I still, that wasn't for me. I still wanted to engage with people. Um, and so I intentionally um, found, you know, the place where I felt the best. And that was in staffing. And that was really finding the right people for the right jobs. And um, not just a warm body in a seat, but looking for the perfect fit. You know, someone who um, wanted to be in that position so that they mm -hmm. would fail. Um, and then all the other pieces would fall into place in terms of career and retention and, you know, all the metrics that make sense in human resources or that HR professionals value. Um, I started, I saw those things very early on. I did not necessarily have them in a particular bucket, but I knew what made sense. And um, I began to um, open up branches across the country, um, staffing them. And um, Eric and I um, moved to California um, and I managed to do the same thing there. Uh, worked in a different type of finance industry at the time, uh, different type of banking, but uh, same principles in terms of human resources and staffing and recruiting and mining for talent 
And I began to um, build quite a reputation for myself um, in that space. And um, later, Eric and I moved here to Pennsylvania. And our family started growing. Um, we had the, the third of our three children. And that's when, um, when we moved to Pennsylvania. I moved here without family or friend and gave myself a little bit of time to to raise my little ones because my older two were just one and two years old. And then um, here comes a third. So I took a, a little breather with the toddlers and the newborn. And I started um, doing some consulting work. Just out of the blue, someone asked me, so would you mind helping me do some staffing? Um, and it was um, a, a medical center in Philadelphia. And I oh, said, cool. sure. Yeah. And I had not, I didn't have any medical experience or having any experience working in that industry. But what I did have a lot of experience in was in the staffing end of business. And I knew how to um, support a company in terms of their employee relations because I had done that work. So that was easy for me to translate to an e a different industry. So that was the first part of my career, if you will. And um, that consulting job, that very first one, started this second phase. And here we are now. Here we are now, and your kids are no longer babies. They they're not, Robin, they're not. <laughs> adults, basically, and doing amazing things, just like their mama. <laughs> I appreciate that. They are. They are 20 and 17. So they're not babies any longer. Yes, indeed, young adults. Um, I don't know if they quite know what their mom does. So that's another thing you got to help me with. I need to figure out how to help them understand um, or brand myself with to them because they are not quite sure what I do. <laughs> I think that's kind of a consensus from mm -hmm. entrepreneurial moms and their kids. It's like, well, she's home all the time. She says she works, but does she? I don't really? know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of a look that I get. Like, what is it that you really do, mom? Yeah. So you said so many things in that introduction. And um, the one thing I really want to emphasize is how you are able to focus on people and their assets to bring them in and identify where they're going to fit in that you're going to have that longevity of employment with them. Yes. Yes. Um, thank you for recognizing that. And remember, I did not know at the time that that's what I was doing. Or how about I didn't know that <clears throat> that was a value or would be seen later um, as a significant value. What I did know and um, is that I enjoyed engaging with people. And people seemed to enjoy spending time with me. Um, they seem to listen to information that um, I would share. One of the early programs that, um, you know, 
I say I developed, but it was a program that was developed by a number of people on my team. But at the, at the time, it was called People First. <clears throat> that seems very basic, and, and I've heard it a million times. Um, but it was an effort to reduce attrition and mm-hmm. really increase morale. And, um, you know, at the time, my company thought, well, we'll do all these, have all these fun parties for employees and we will, you know, bring, you know, these lavish lunches in and, um, you know, we'll do all these amazing things for our employees. But that wasn't just um, enough. And what we discovered is through, you know, having roundtable discussions and brown bag lunches and just conversations with employees is that they really did not necessarily, they weren't in the right jobs. This is not, they were just in a stopgap, <clears throat> meaning I, I need a job. I have bills to pay. So I'm going to take the first one that comes my way. Mm-hmm. And, and what I discovered uh, with the employees who worked at this time, Rob and I worked in a call center. So um, this was a call center for one of the banks that I worked for. And I was staffing that call center. We were building call centers all across the country. And if you imagine um, call center retention can be very low. Um, You have a lot of turnover because virtually you're just answering the phone, talking on the phones, um, you know, you're talking to people who may not necessarily want to talk to you because you're calling them could be about collections or it could be to sell another product. So they're not always warm calls. And mm-hmm. what um, I discovered was that, well, you know what, you're, you're not in a job that you love. So when you're not doing something that you're really passionate about, you're more likely to leave when the first opportunity comes along that sounds a little bit more exciting or it, it resonates with you in a way that nothing else has. So um, we kind of changed our, our hiring model around, even our search model. And we began to look for, again, and I'm going back, Robin, to some of those early discoveries around um, looking for people who wanted to be in that job. So I'm not just looking for transactional warm bodies. I'm looking for those who are really interested in engaging, um, probing, asking the questions. They want to, they're incentivized by uh, meeting goals and targets. That's, That's a whole different person than someone who is just, I just want a job to pay mm-hmm. my next bill. That's a different mindset. So uh, People First was a program that was designed um, for really seeking out the right talent, really Mm -hmm. looking for um, creating competencies and looking for the right person um, that had those competencies, those official competencies. Yes. So what I'm hearing you say too, and my mind goes back to my pharmaceutical days where we did round tables. Yes. And, one of the, and I had written um, in my notes before we started talking about listening intently and mm-hmm. what part listening intently does for you in the interview process. But what you did was you listened intently and observed intently 
So you had intention this mm -hmm. whole time, which is so important yes. to put that intention into the attention that you're paying to your employees. That's and so right. you combined that intention and listening and you heard what and observed what people were experiencing in these roles and why they weren't being fulfilled and therefore why they're leaving. And I think that's really important to note. Thank you. Yes, it, 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 it is. And that is why um, I believe, Robin, that what I do today, how this all kind of, all that work in the first part of, if you will, my, my career, how I've evolved to where I am now and helping my clients is really around the listening part and also um, helping them with discovering what their passions are um, and, and providing them some, some confidence. Because what I also learned in this second phase is that um, most often what you have are um, interviewees or candidates, if you will, or um, career seekers who are just not sure what they want, what it, what it is that they want. They're so accustomed to um, taking opportunities because I have this um, short-term need to feel. So I've got to take something now. I've got to fulfill that bucket right now. Um, because we all have bills to pay. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and we're foregoing those things that really fill us up and make us happy and really giving us passion because what we're also taught is, you know, only the, uh, the entertainers, the rich and famous, and, you know, those who we, you know, look at and admire perhaps from afar can have those things that they desire, the passion. They can do the passion work, the fun stuff, and make lots of money doing it. So for us, that seems untouchable. And what I have learned is that with a little bit of intention, not a little bit, that's not fair, um, with some intentional work and focus around what is it that you really want? That's the discovery phase of what I do with my clients. Um, because I have all that experience from years ago, hiring people um, for my own purpose in my own um, branches and in my own offices and also hiring for others. That's the really important piece. Um, I have those, the fortunate role of having sat on both sides of the table. I've been the, the hiring manager and I also have been the recruiter. So I know what uh, managers are looking for and I, I know how to get that. I know how to seek and, and find that. Mining it mm -hmm. is called, what, what we like to call that. Um, and Something else, I, I said to you that I was, um, that first consulting job that I took, that was hiring for them medical talent, but I needed to um, do that in a way where, you know, I wanted them to keep me, right? I wanted them to re-up my, my contract. I wanted them to say, okay, you know, this is a person we want to keep, we want to retain, we want to keep her services. So um, I, you know, they'd open a job description and it didn't take me long to figure out mm, this isn't a really great job description to attract the kind of talent that you want. 
and I would help to rewrite those job descriptions and um, really uh, seek out the perfect talent for them. And how did I do that? Um, you know, job postings happen and you get, Robin, about one job posting will yield you several hundred um, applications or resumes, several hundred. And you think about the person that has to go through several hundred pieces of paper um, or uh, resume, electronic resumes. And you, you can imagine that you're sifting through those very, very quickly. And you might be missing some really excellent folks, um, but you just don't have the bandwidth uh, or the time to go through every single piece of paper that you receive for every opening. So um, I know that. So I know quickly as a, um, a, a recruiter, if you will, I can quickly um, scan a resume and decide whether or not it's a person or a candidate that I want to even have a telephone conversation with. Um, well, and so I would think if I can interrupt you for one second, sure. I would think the more, the more descriptive that job description is to, you know, in the wording and everything, the more specific and detailed it is to target the ideal applicant, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. fewer applicants you're going to actually get and have to weed through. That's true. So if, yes, that's your, your point is accurate. Okay. So that, and, and I'm listening to you talk. And one of the questions, I, another question I had written down beforehand was tips for finding that ideal career versus a job. And I'm sure. hearing you say that this is one of your expertise. And I would, I would love for you to elaborate on that. Sure. Absolutely. So Go ahead, Robin. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I, I talk a lot about identifying and my listeners are probably tired of hearing me say this, but I think it's so applicable. And I'm, I'm curious, I'm anxious to see if you're going to say something similar, but, you know, looking at your values, your visions and your passions so that when you go into something, it's not just taking a job and maybe it takes a little more patience than what you want to put out and put into this. But if you don't look at those three things, then you're not going to have a career. You're just going to have a job and the, in, the risk of being unhappy and not having longevity is greater. So I would love for you to speak to that. You're, you're spot on. And um, I do, the work that I do now is really coaching um, career seekers and they come from every different space. It could be a career seeker that is a new college graduate or it could be someone who is currently working. They're in a profession, but looking either to explore something new or they are at the retirement space, and but they're not ready to stop working and they're looking for their second act. And what does that look like? Um, or it could be the third person or the third type of um, career seeking. That's someone who is returning back to the workplace. They've been away for a while for whatever reason, and it's time for them to return. And interviewing and career search is very different than it was 20 years ago. It's different than it was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, the market is so incredibly saturated with 
really good and qualified candidates, really good candidates. You have um, PhDs who are in the market looking for opportunities. And those are the ones that, that are documented and we know about. That doesn't speak to candidates who are passive, meaning they are currently working and still looking. So we're not even discussing those that group, but they are there. Um, they're silent, but you're also competing with them. So what does that mean? That means your presentation, your intentionality around how you approach your career search, it needs to be very, very focused and, and it's very different than it was years ago. Or probably for many of us, if you've been in a job for 25 years, you've likely been promoted and excelled based on the work that you've done in that company, right? So you had to interview um, outside of the company you worked for for 25 years. So it's very, you've not even had to really show your resume. Um, right. um, so that all of that's very different. Even the way you communicate about yourself is different. It's not just, let me talk to you about all the different jobs I've had. So what I have found are there are three main reasons why um, candidates don't do well in their, their search and in their interview. And the first one is that they're just unprepared. They um, don't know uh, what they don't know. You see a job description or a job opportunity online and you think, okay, that's the job I want to apply for but you've not really done a whole lot of homework on how you can answer questions effectively or how to answer questions effectively. You've not done a great deal of homework on the company. You may, you may have looked online and, and looked at their website and pulled down you know, some information from there, but you've not done a deep enough dive. And then we find that candidates really can't communicate um, and that's really key and critical. And when I say communicate, I don't necessarily mean that they're not able to um, communicate and speak well. I'm talking about communication where you really can articulate your experiences, what makes you special, what value you bring. You're not able to communicate that in a way that resonates with the person you're sitting across from. So if I'm the hiring manager, what is important to me is either how fast I can do something, how cheaper I can do it than my competition, and um, how I'm going to look in front of, say, my boss. Those are the real. If I'm sitting with someone who can't hit those buttons, um, their conversation doesn't resonate that way. I'm, it's almost like the Charlie Brown, uh, womp, 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 you know, the Charlie Brown, you're even listening to what the person's saying because they don't connect with you. They're not resonating. And that's the, that's the other piece, the confidence, the connection piece. So the confidence part of the, the number three is I'm, I'm sharing with you, but it's not resonating. You and I have no, no connection across the table. Um, and my lack of confidence is showing. I'm not sure of what your products and services are. I'm not really connected with who your competitors are. 
and how the value I bring really can make a difference for you. So that lack of confidence comes across in our communication. So I'm unprepared. My communication is lacking. Um, I can't really talk to you about my uniqueness, what makes me different. And I'm not able to really um, connect. My nervousness comes across. My lack of confidence comes across. So what we do is really bring forth, um, we put together a strategy that helps our clients with those three areas. Um, the, the connection piece, the communication piece, and the confidence. We really help you with Would you like to learn more about personal branding? Maybe you are ready to take your existing brand to the next level. The Brand Insider Mastermind will delve into every aspect of personal branding and help you create or up-level your personal brand, help your business soar to new heights. There will be an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to ask questions, an accountability partnership, an opportunity to grow your network and referral source, and much more. We will meet bi-weekly for one and a half hour sessions. During each session, a personal branding theme will be presented and discussed. Each individual will have time to ask questions and report on their specific tasks or action items. Goals and tasks will be set for the next two week period. And the Brand Insider Mastermind will be a place of accountability and connection with no judgment, only kindness and accessibility to personal and business development. The first session will start March 31st and run through June 17th, a total of 12 weeks. Each mastermind participant will receive a one-on-one -on -one consultation at the end of the 12 week session. This is a value of $300, but will be included in the price of the mastermind for the introductory mastermind session. The themes that we will discuss and that will be taught during the mastermind sessions include the five C's of personal branding, the five W's of personal branding, the five components of a personal brand, how to identify your niche and ideal audience, content creation and differentiation, blogging, email marketing, networking, individual website and social media profile reviews and recommendations from me. Participant-led discussions based on questions and needs. The price for this is only $397. It is a one-time, super low introductory price. Space is limited to only 12 participants to guarantee one-on-one -on -one attention. In addition to everything else mentioned, you will have access to my private Brand Insider Facebook group for ongoing access to the mastermind for learning, questions, and accountability. I sure hope to see you in the Brand Insider Mastermind in spring of 2020. To access the information, to learn more, or to register, go to my website, www.robingrahamphotography.com forward slash shop. I am so glad you brought all of this up because this was my next question. And, oh, good. Um, as you're talking, I'm thinking, I have had so many questions from people in the business world, like, well, personal brands are only for entrepreneurs. Everything you just mm -hmm. said is a personal brand. And I've often done, you know, blog posts or social media posts on this, so that if you are in corporate, you have to know your your skills, your gifts, you, how you are unique and how you can benefit 
any company or any boss so that you can, That's right. you know, really make yourself shine above all of your peers and your competitors. So that's right. Thank you. I think that was so spot on. And the, the reason I was going to ask that question is because when we're doing this recording, we are in the throes of COVID-19 quarantine and we yeah. are seeing every day and hearing about every day people losing their jobs. Yes. Because small business owners don't know what the future is going to hold. They're not having any income coming in because people aren't spending. That's We're right. seeing corporations start laying off. And we are going to have a big influx of people trying to find jobs when this is over. And yeah. this could not be more pertinent to the time that we're in right now. Yes, you're right. It's, it's, um, I think about it every day, Robin, where we're headed with this as I look at the skyrocketing um, unemployment numbers. I mean, they're just, I don't think we've seen numbers like this before um, in this small period of time. And I agree with you. Uh, when we resurface from this, um, there are many, many opportunities. And you're right. My clients um, who either come to me or are referred to me oftentimes will say, wow, I never thought about, you know, you hear about, and you and I've heard this for years, especially coming out of a sales kind of environment, um, your stars, you know, really um, elevating those um, situations where you've excelled and where you've been able to really shine. You know, um, my role is to coach my, my clients in how to um, share those experiences, those successes that you've had over your career um, and really put them in a light where they mean something to the person that you're interviewing with. So that's a very different conversation than me, 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 this is what I've done and it's really flat. You're now taking those experiences and you're making them relevant to the company or the organization that you're interviewing with. You're, you're making, you're really hitting them where they have a pain point, where their pain source is, and how can I tie that to what's important to you? So that's the differentiator for um, you as a candidate because you're focused on, hmm, what's going to make um, XYZ company better. So you know who their competitors are, you know what their mission statement is, you know um, where they're trying to make their name in the marketplace, and you've studied, you know even what the best candidate looks like. My expertise, you remember I talked earlier about me being able to identify um, competencies for a position a role. Oftentimes you see job descriptions that are really flat and um, I'm looking for a position and I think that's the one, but I really don't understand the competencies for them. If I'm a, if I'm a, um, a job seeker, I do because that's the work that I've done for years. So I look at every role, every competency. I look at your resume or your jobs um, your experiences, and I tie those competencies to what you've done, and we're going to 
craft and create a story or stories that you can share that makes sense for that particular job. If that's the position that you want, if that's the field that you've decided that you want to be in, um, we will create a story that completely and totally resonates with the hiring manager. So now we get to that, that connection piece. I'm able to sit across from you and have a real dialogue about what matters most to you and how I can benefit that, what value I can bring, what's unique about me and how I've been able to, to do or be successful. So um, I coach and train that. I, I teach people how to do that. And that's a very different way of looking at yourself as, uh, remember, we're, we're not just job seeking, we're career seeking. So um, I'm taking some of those early skills and teaching people how to um, even close gaps because we do some SWOT analysis. You know, we think of SWOT analysis only for, um, you know, uh, marketing and for companies, but think about you as a career seeker, you're marketing yourself. You are trying to leverage your expertise, but you, when you are looking for opportunities, you need to look at the whole opportunity. Mm -hmm. Do I have everything it takes, um, to meet the demands of that opportunity? And if, I don't. And those are the things that we discover by doing SWAT. Uh, we discover if there are gaps, how can I shore them up? What can I do? So we work on all of those elements. And um, I don't promise um, positions and jobs because that's not my, my role. But what I do commit to, um, if I have a committed um, you know, client, is that I'm going to help you with your confidence. I'm going to help you become more confident when you sit across the table from um, an interviewer or a hiring manager. You're going to be able to share your story in a way that you've never been able to tell it. You'll walk away feeling comfortable. You know when you've told, um, you've said this, I know, to your children many, many times. When you take a test, if you walk out of the room and you have no clue how you've done, that says something about how you prepared on the front end. Right. So it's the same. It's the very same principle um, that we've taught our children. Preparation mm -hmm. piece is how you get to um, the goal. And that's the win that we talk about in our our client sessions. So, Tanya, I was going to ask you, what are three things we talked about the three things or the three reasons that people fail at interviewing? But what are those three things? And you've kind of summarized them, but just in a quick nutshell, what are those three things that people could do? And maybe it's not three, maybe it's one, two or five. I don't know. But what are just really quick and dirty things right. that people can really hone in on to ensure themselves? I know one is pre preparation. Absolutely. For the interview process. What are the right. others? So, what, I mean, just top tips. The top tips, uh, Robin, that, you know, I like to share. Um, and there are three, you know, that we focus on. And, um, you know, discovery is really important. And that's um, the part of you where you really identify um, the landscape where you want to play, if you will, where you want to be. Discovery is important. Uh, and that's also the place where you define your point of difference, what's special about you. That's the, the work that you do where uh, it might seem painstaking at first, 
but that's where you really get down to the nuts and bolts. Um, differentiation. The discovery and then the differentiation. The okay. differentiation is your point of difference, right? And then the third is delivery. So this is where you work on and you practice. This is that preparation. This is where um, I'm in the mirror. I'm doing the, the, the interview prep. I'm spending time with me, the coach. Um, you're working on your delivery. I'm becoming more confident in how I express my, myself. You know, um, I often hear candidates say to me, well, that sounds like I'm bragging when you're writing down all of your stars. But when you begin to really prepare and um, spend the time articulating your messaging, um, articulating your point of value, your point of difference, um, your uniqueness, when you spend time crafting that story, it becomes very conversational. It's no longer bragging. It's you sharing your your best, talking about yourself. And that's what an employer wants to hear. So, you know, discovery, differentiating, and then how do I deliver it in a way that makes me um, set myself apart from my competitors? I love this. I am scurrying, taking so many notes here. This is so valuable, such incredible information. I'm just thrilled with this. Okay, so... I know that you are a very passionate woman. I am. And one of your passions is making a difference. Yes, indeed. And just from the things that we've discussed so far, I can see what a difference you're making in people's lives because you're giving them the opportunity to find happiness and longevity in a career, which over time decreases stress so much and allows them to live a happier life. So tell me about your passion for um, inclusion and diversity. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for asking about that. Um, that too, Robin, is a part of this second phase of um, the work that I do. Um, several years ago, about, I would say about four years ago, I started I reached out to a client and said, you know, I see the work that you do in the community and um, I want to support that work. I want to help you. I want to volunteer and help you with some of this work. And it was work around social justice and um, diversity and inclusion. And I shared with them my professional background, which they kind of knew about my professional work. Um, but I shared with them, how can I marry my professional work with the work that you're doing um, in the community? And for me, it was, I was asking a question, a rhetorical question that I already kind of knew the answer to. Um, But I wanted to make a difference because I was seeing so much that um, was lacking in terms of acceptances around people of difference, um, differences in many, many ways. And I started doing some volunteer work, Robin, that has really turned not just volunteer work, but it's turned into um, client relationships that span beyond um, many different industries and have led me into um, a lot of work in the school districts um, and on some of the college campuses, 
where I'm really talking to organizations around bias, eliminating bias in their hiring practices and um, recognizing and honoring uh, and celebrating differences amongst employees to retain them, to keep them, and to leverage um, the uniqueness and um, to support them. So I've been able to really marry both of uh, what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about um, bringing all types of people to the table uh, for conversation and leveraging um, gifts. And um, I see that opportunity um, to do the same thing in helping um, corporations and businesses and nonprofits around their hiring practices. And that is my heart work. That's work that I do from my heart. And because I really and truthfully believe that um, I make a difference there, a, a difference that I can immediately see. Um, I see it in the faces when someone really gets, oh, I understand that because, you know, we all come to the table with bias. Every one of us do. Um, they come from the experiences that we've grown up with, that we live with. It's, you know, we just can't get around that. But it's recognizing those bias, those biases that we all hold and being intentional about um, making our choices um, and being accepting and open to um, the value around differences. And those are some of the, uh, you know, the ways I've been able to incorporate what I do uh, professionally in the work that I do, which started out to be volunteer work, um, but it has really, it's morphed into something bigger. It really has. And I, I do, I love it. I love the work and um, uh, I love the opportunities that I've been given to speak to people that I would not otherwise. Um, you know, I've gone to places, companies, and organizations that I probably would not have been in and talking to um, professionals at all levels. So um, I, I'm grateful for those opportunities. So if you were to give advice to a hiring manager, sure, what advice would you give them in terms of recognizing the bias that he or she may have innately or just based on you know life experiences yeah or what they've been taught um sure. versus being intentional and eliminating the bias so that they can truly recognize the individual gifts and uniqueness of the people that they are considering hiring yeah so a lot of the work um, comes from, you know, very early on in my career and many careers, I'm sure, you know, especially in the human resources, you start off by doing um, work around diversity and inclusion. You do, well, at that time, it wasn't called inclusion. It was just diversity. And uh, everyone had trainings that, you know, we would go to and that we would deliver. Um, and so it was almost one of those, let's check it off the check off boxes, say that we've done this type of work um, in companies. And now um, what I've learned, Robin, the difference about this work and what I share with um, hiring managers is that um, diversity, inclusion, um, commitment around this work, 
you have to start with understanding where it comes from, where our biases come from. It's not enough just to say that I have them. I, I, and, and many of us don't recognize that we even hold biases. Um, we I always hear, well, that's just, you know, um, you know, I've always done it this way. Um, or I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not being biased. I don't have um, any bias toward a individual or a thing. This is just who I am. Um, it's not mean spirited. We don't recognize it. Right. So um, understanding where those biases come from is where I start with um, my hiring managers. So I have so several exercises where we talk about isms. Where do the isms start? Where do they come from? So if you think about um, racism, homophobia, xenophobia, um, all of the different um, isms, where they where they originate, we talk about that. And we really open up conversations with understanding the, the genesis of them. And when you understand that, then you're able to be a little bit more accepting of how can I then be really intentional about when I see something. And it's, it takes work, it's exercise. It's, it's exercising a different part of your brain. And I know that sounds almost clinical, but it's true because we're conditioned. We do most of our thinking, Robin, is automatic, right? You see a red light, what do you do? You stop. You see a green light, what do you do? You go. You don't even think about it. It's, it just is. You just know what to do. And that's really how we are conditioned we use about 97% of our brain is conditioned to just do things automatically. It's the 3%, that 2 to 3% where we really have to be intentional about going in a different direction. If I weren't thinking when I get behind the wheel of my car, I would drive to my children's school every day. And I have, and how many times have you gotten in your car and you're not even thinking and you just end up right? In the parking lot of the school. I've done that. Um, yeah. When you're really thinking about it, right? It's like a roadmap. It's, it's directions. I have to pay attention to where I want to go and my directions. And it's the same things. It's the same model, same principle that I talk to hiring managers about. Um, not looking at a name on a resume and making a decision based on that name, because um, our brain has taught us to look at names and identify a name with a particular ethnic group, right? Mm -hmm. And if yeah. I have a bias in a particular direction, um, then I might stop myself from looking at the diamond that's sitting in front of me, right? So I am talking with hiring managers about how we reprogram ourselves to be intentional, to spend more time in that two to 3% where I'm really focused on being, I'm really thinking about my decision and not reacting. Um, if I see, if I have an adverse reaction to the color yellow and someone walks in and it's, say it's um, 
um, December and they walk in with a bright yellow suit on and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. It's, it's Christmas time or it's December. Why do you have on that bright yellow suit? It's not spring. So it's <laughs> reconditioning the way you think. Um, oh, I love this. Being intentional about it. So I spend time right there. I spend a great deal of time talking with hiring managers about um, being really intentional about the way you think of things. So um, there are exercises around bias. Harvard has a wonderful one. Um, and I don't know if you've ever taken them. They're free. Um, they are their um, bias uh, assessments. And they are... Um, People, when I give those assessments or direct people to them, they think that they can trick the, the assessment um, into, you know, their own answers. But you really can't because remember, we all have bias. And if we're not really focused and intentional around that, then they show up and you um, like, wow, I didn't even know I had an affinity toward, you know, that or a dislike yeah. something else. So um, fascinating. I hope that helps. No, that helps tremendously. And I think it's going to help a lot of listeners too, because whether we're in the co corporate environment, hiring people, or we're in the entrepreneurial environment, there are opportunities where we're working with other people and those biases can very easily slant our, taint our opinions or our thoughts with, you know, whoever we are going to work with or whether they're a client or a potential employee. So I think this is so valuable and so helpful. And um, is this something that you do from working more from a, a corporate and team perspective, or do you coach privately on this diversity and inclusion as well? So I do both. Okay. Um, this started out with work that was um, just teams, um, just team oriented. Um, and, you know, going into, it started out, Robin, going into, um, school districts and with, um, administrators. And I still do that work. I still do. Um, that's a good bit of it, but it has morphed into working with individuals. Um, I just worked with a company, um, a large bank, oddly enough in Philadelphia, it's a, a global bank actually in Philadelphia, working with, um, their legal department uh, around this very topic around bias and their their practices, their hiring practices and their um, just in general around their promotions and how they um, employ retention. So all of it lends itself to ways that we can um, show ourselves better in the work workplace. But even more importantly, the feedback that I receive from individuals, it might start off as um, me being called in to do workshops on a particular group or team. And I always um, get an email from someone individually who talks about how this touched them personally. Um, and it lends itself to a, 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 an individual conversation around how can I do better? What is mm -hmm. it that that I didn't know this, I didn't even know that existed in me and I want to do better. I want to be better. And I'm not coming from a place of judgment um, or shaming or blaming. As I started out by saying, all of us hold some bias and it's, it's us recognizing it and then making a, a decision about 
how we're going to navigate the rest of our lives and how we show up to others who see us. Um, Mm -hmm. And we are either working or hiring or making decisions in our personal and our professional lives. Yeah. Yeah. It crosses over both. It does. It absolutely oh, does. Tanya, this has been so just excellent. I, I just love everything you've said. And it's so helpful on so many levels for so many different people. So um, Thank you. I would love to know if you have a book recommendation for the audience, the listeners. Well, you know what? I have um, a book recommendation. So one book or two books. Whatever you want. <laughs> so I'll give you um, one. It's funny that you asked. There's one that I use. Um, I reference quite a bit in my workshops that I do around um, bias and uh, inclusion and um, that work. And it's Braving the Wilderness, and it's by Brene Brown, um, which is, you're smiling, so that may mean that you've um, read her work. I just- I love I love her, and I read that specific book. I read it, Robin, over and over. Um, have it on audio, and I also, you know, have hard copies. And it's something that my daughter and I share together. She also- Um, listens to Brene, but that particular one, um, there's a quote in there, and I'm paraphrasing the quote, that it's hard to hate someone up close, right? So when we are up close and personal, whether it's in conversation and community and breaking bread, whatever it is, that's the time when you can really get close to someone and you learn about them when you're close. So when she, when she said that the first time she said, it's like that hate word is so, you know, that's one of those, Ooh, it's, it's one of those startling, but when she's, when you really um, put context around that, I get it. And it is because I can really sit across from you and really am intentional about wanting to get to know you. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to dislike, to have disdain for a person when you're willing to bear yourself and, you know, being up close to them. So I, I do, that's a book that I recommend and it's an author that I recommend. Um, on uh, another note, Expect to Win is a book by Carla Harris. Carla Harris is um, a, uh, an executive and on Wall Street, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And she is absolutely amazing. And Carla talks about um, how we should approach our professional selves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very, they're very um, elementary um, pearls, if you will. And you, it, when she talks about walk in with a smile, you know, see yourself on top. Um, those are things that we learned as little ones, right? Mm-hmm. But we oftentimes, especially as women, and uh, my sexist side will show right here, but especially as women, we're taught to, you know, fight, right? Mm-hmm. Our first um, reaction is to, you know, I got to fix my face a certain way and I got to, you know, my posture needs to be, I'm ready. I'm ready every day, right? For yep. um, the battle. And that changes your demeanor when you do that, right? It changes your whole carriage. 
Um, but it's amazing when you decide that I'm going to win and winning is the goal, that also changes your, and it, it becomes, you know, the smile resonates, the positivity resonates. Um, you are more apt to greet someone when you're in that posture versus the, I'm ready to, you know, day. That takes so much energy and it takes energy away from the, the positive that you can gain from your experiences every day. So those are two authors that, um, Carla Harris from Morgan Stanley, Expect to Win, and Brene Brown, Raving the Wilderness. Those are my go-tos. Excellent. Both are amazing women and inspiring on so many levels. And I love, we're going to end here because I absolutely love what you said about coming in with a smile and how it changes perception because a smile, and I say this all the time, a smile can change someone's life in a day. It, that's true. In one moment. I agree. Tanya, I agree. thank you so much for being here. This was excellent so so Thank much you. incredible information that has the power to really transform lives thank you thank you robin for even asking me thank you so much um it's been very helpful to me as well and i've loved every second thank you awesome thank you so much you can learn more about tanya and connect with her on her website www hrpartnersonline.com on Instagram at Tanya, T-A-Y-N-A Longino, L-O-N-G-I-N-O at Tanya Longino and on LinkedIn, Tanya Longino. On Twitter, Tanya is at hrpartners1. That's the number one. And that's a wrap, friends. Thank you so much for listening today. I am grateful to have you here with me. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, will you please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review? That would mean the world to me. It will also help others find the podcast. I really look forward to getting to know my listeners. Will you please connect with me on Instagram? You can find me at the Robin Graham. You can also find me on Facebook and LinkedIn as Robin Graham. And I invite you to join my private Facebook group, The Brand Marketing Insider. Please spread the word about the Second Phase podcast. Until next time, remember to smile.